Hi everyone, welcome to the Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Bromwen Scartorino. Very, very nice last name. I wish I had a last name like that. Thanks for joining me on the show, Bromwen. It's nice to meet you. Thanks for having me, Michael. I'm really looking forward to our chat. Bronwen is an author, simplicity expert and professional speaker who spent almost two decades as a high-powered award-winning executive before experiencing a life-changing event that forced her to stop and ask the question, what if there's a better way to live? It seems like a, a question that a lot of people would ask, but I thought we'd, we'd start with your background, if that's all right. So would you be able to, to share where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? Sure. So I was born in Hobart, Tasmania. Uh, in Australia and um, I spent the first 10 years of my life living at the beach uh, and then from 10 until about mid-20s I lived uh, about five kilometres from the beach um, but a sort of in the semi-rural um, environment. Um, so I spent a lot of time roaming the countryside, riding horses, you know, out with the dogs, the cats, all the native animals in the bushland um, and basically lived my life for sport, um, played a lot of different sports um, and was very lucky to do relatively well at school without trying too hard. So my life could be all about the things that I loved. Uh, and from there, I uh, went to university and then um, uh, went into the corporate world um, and um, spent um, a good couple of decades uh, running around after everybody else, helping them build their businesses um, and achieving some pretty significant things myself, but um, feeling like they were very insignificant despite the fact that I was given awards and all of those sorts of things because I just drove myself so hard that uh, there wasn't time to have a look at those things. All right, so how, how did it lead up to you moving down this idea of simplicity then? Was there any particular occurrences or did you start off doing something and then you ended up transitioning to it? What was it like to, to start down that road? Yeah, I um, drove myself so hard that um, my body and mind conspired against me and basically dropped me from a great height with such a force that I couldn't get back up again. Um, so I went from an award-winning executive to on the floor unable to, um, you know, just exist in basic life in a matter of seconds. Um, and it took me a good two years of really hard, really, you know, confronting intense uh, work with um, grief counsellors, clinical psychologists, and I also explored the energy medicine field as well and did all of that sort of concurrently. Um, but that work took, took a good two years for me to be able to actually step back into just the basics of life. So that was just, uh, you know, to be able to exist every day. Uh, and then another 12 months after that for me to really find my feet and my direction and know where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. Um, so getting to where I am now has really been an evolution of the work that I did through that process um, and really starting to look at in depth uh, the way that we live as, as, as a society in the Western world, the things that we do, the stress and the exhaustion that we put, put on ourselves and um, absorb as if it's a normal part of life. Um, and those things really um, came together for me um, to uh, help me to write my book, 
um, which is keep it super simple. And that actually was part of my recovery that that book was written. But then from there, that's all just sort of morphed into a business um, where, you know, globally I now work with people to teach them about stress and exhaustion and the ways that you can really easily take a much simpler path to life um, and thrive. So what was it like to make those initial steps towards simplicity then? So the um, the subtitle of the book is Tips from a Recovering Perfectionist. So is it, is it based on your own experience as a perfectionist or, or not? Absolutely. Um, so being a perfectionist was my thing that drove me. It was the thing that just absolutely channeled, um, channeled me and, you know, kept me moving forwards even when I was so exhausted that I couldn't move anymore. Um, and I, I sort of like to explain it as um, I gave and gave and gave and gave and gave until I had nothing left to give and then I found a way to give more. Um, so, And all of that was about just trying to prove to the outside world that everything was amazing, everything was perfect, so that nobody knew that, you know, inside everything was collapsing around me. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of people that sort of say, oh, this book's not for me because I'm not a perfectionist. Um, but actually the book's for everyone because we all have our own things. It's just that perfectionism is the thing that I've battled with um, and, um, you know, deal with, I guess, on an everyday occurrence, you know. And that's why I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist because it's a reminder to me that everything doesn't need to be perfect. Um, and that my life's amazing even though everything's not perfect. Um, and the, you know, the, the way you start is by learning to ask yourself a number of really simple practical questions. Um, and what those questions do is that they actually drop the autopilot out of your life and they actually help you to just uh, create a little bit of space around you and around what's happening so that you can actually consciously make decisions. Um, because when we live our life on autopilot, that's when we end up down a track that's, you know, not not matched with who we are, not, not the direction that we need to be going. Um, and that's when we end up living the life that everybody around us has given to us. What are, what are some examples of <clears throat> some of these questions that, that we could ask ourselves? Because I'd imagine that a lot of people listening to this might actually be interested to know, even if it's just one or two of the questions that they can use to, to kickstart this idea of being able to observe themselves a little bit better. Yeah, great question. Um, and as, as, you know, as you can tell, I love questions. So, um, okay, so the, the first one that I always encourage people to learn to ask is what if they're wrong? Um, and, and this one's an amazing question because when you think about all of the conditioning that we're given from the time that we're really little um, and then we just take that with us um, through life, uh, because we're conditioned around what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's appropriate, what's not. Um, and we just end up flowing automatically and responding without thinking about it because we've been conditioned um, around those things. So the first question I, I teach people to ask is what if they're wrong? So um, something comes towards you, somebody says you have to do this. The first question you should ask is what if they're wrong? Because it gives you time and space to stop and just go, hang on a minute, is this right for me? Do I want to be doing this? Is this something that I want to align myself with? 
So that, the sort of little flowing questions that come from just asking that one question. And it doesn't really matter what the answer is. If the answer is yes, great. You know that you've made the decision consciously that yes, that, that um, they're wrong. And if the answer is no, they're not wrong, then you know that that's something that you want to be doing in, in a direction that you want to be going in. So it's not so much what the answer is that's important. It's the fact that you've asked the question which stops you to, so that you can give yourself time to make the conscious decision. Um, another really great question is, what am I doing and why am I doing it? Um, because I think we, we hide a lot behind I'm so busy. Um, and I'm so busy seems to be this badge that we all want to wear so that we can prove how successful we are in the world. But actually, when we stop and have a look at what we're doing and why we're doing it, often that doesn't make a lot of sense to us and who we are and, and what we want to be aligning ourselves with. So if you start to teach yourself to ask that question as well, and that can be as simple as just putting a reminder in your diary. I mean, we have these amazing, you know, um, phones that we carry around now with calendars in them that have little alerts. And so you can actually put an alert in once or twice a day that just says, check in, you know. And so that when you get that message up on your phone as a reminder that says, check in, you can just learn to ask yourself at that, the question at that point, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And again, it's not so much what the answer is, it's about that conscious connection with your life and what you're doing. And when you're really consciously connected, you'll really start to see patterns that emerge in your life and you'll start to understand whether or not that's where you want to go or not. Yeah, I can definitely see from from a lot of the, the people that I've spoken to just, just out and about that we very rarely question certain things. Like it's very rare that we would actually sit down and and question the things that we think that we know or the things that we do know and you know maybe we've not been questioned enough in order to get to that state where it becomes easier for us and it seems to me at least that that's definitely a, a good starting point what what sort of what sort of things would you say that we'd experience if we did start asking ourselves more questions I think you get, um, you know, the, the golden nugget, I guess, to clarity in your life. So for me, I found that when I started asking these questions, um, I started to see some of the things that I'd done. I started to see um, where, where a lot of my thinking was coming from. I, I started to see where the influence, influences were in my life. I started to see the things that I was doing, the ways I was reacting, um, you know, things in my behaviour that, that I liked or didn't like or felt that were me or weren't me. And I started to get a lot of clarity around who I was and how I'd gotten to where I was at. Um, and then that allowed me to um, have a look at that and say, well, is this where I want to be? Is this the direction I want to go in? Um, is this what I want to be doing? And I could start to really unravel some of those things that, um, you know, were veiled to me, I guess, because I think one of the things that I hear a lot with the people that I work with is that they're just lost. I'm so tired and I'm just lost. I don't know where to turn anymore. I don't know where to go anymore. Um, and I think that that's because there's so many people out there who genuinely want to help people, but they do it in a way that says, follow me, do exactly what I tell you, and this will sort you out. But actually, we're all individuals and we're all completely unique and so there is only one way for us and that way is is only going to be uncovered by us and so there's other things that are out there that that might seem like they're you know the light at the end of the tunnel for us or any of these things but whenever we follow some what somebody else tells us is right for our life we'll always end up 
down a track that doesn't work for us because it's it's been designed for a different or by a different individual. So it's so important to learn to ask these questions because you get your own answers. Um, and as I say, it actually doesn't matter what your answers are because your answers are yours. Um, and so then, you know, I guess the next step is to learn to have an overlay of self-compassion on your answers because we can be really harsh on ourselves when, you know, if we find out that we've been behaving in a certain way that we really haven't recognised and we really don't necessarily like, um, and then it's like, oh, wow, I'm so nasty, I'm so this, I'm so that, instead of just going, oh, wow, I didn't realise that, what, what's a couple of simple things I can do that can actually take me in a different direction that I, you know, I feel like I'd like to go? So uh, it's about dropping the pressure out of everything we do and really simplifying everything down to just really simple thoughts and really simple steps. One of the, uh, the things that really stuck out for me when you were, were just talking about all those things was the idea that the, the path and the, the answers that are yours they tend to be better when you've discovered them. So the, the path that you're actually going to walk down and the most, potentially the most effective path at least could actually be the one that you've discovered rather than what people have told you to do. Because I, I would guess at least that there's, there's always an element of tweaking things to make sure that they work for you. So there's always an element of taking information that people have given you, but then being in a position whereby you're actually tweaking it to suit you. I mean, is that, is that what sort of come, comes into it as well? Totally. Um, and I find the more you ask questions of yourself, the more you'll get clarity, but also the more that you will be willing to actually try things. So um, one of the really, really simple and practical tips that I give to people is um, to get rid of the word success and failure from your vocabulary. Um, because there's so much pressure around those words and the definition of those words is always given to you with other people's stuff around it. Um, it's other people's definitions, it's other people's hang-ups, it's other people's everything around those words. So if we can get rid of those words and replace them instead with adventure and explore, um, you know, we can actually live our lives in a very different way. So um, one of the things you were just talking about then was, you know, tweaking the way that you do things and, and having a look at things that people have given you and being able to just play with it a little bit to see, um, you know, if you can do it a little bit differently. Well, I always say to people, you know, if you think about when you're on holidays, your mindset and your whole way of being is completely different. So you're prepared to go to new places and try new things, you'll try new foods, you'll try new activities, but your entire life and your entire future doesn't fall apart if what you've done you don't you didn't like or didn't, you know, gel with the experience or any of those sorts of things. You just go, wow, I didn't really like that. I won't do it again. So if we can actually bring that back into our lives um, and say, okay, I want to try this new thing or I think that this is a really good option for me, just put a toe in the water and try it and have an overlay of I'm just exploring this. I'm treating this as a bit of an adventure and understand that uh, if it doesn't work out for you, that is just as good as if it did work out for you. And it's just as good because when things don't work out, that's a really, really clear sign to you that you don't need to get, you don't need to keep walking down that path. There's not, not much else for you to learn there. Um, come back, try something else, go down a different path, and if it works for you, that's great because that's a sign that you can keep going that way. There's more for you to learn. 
So when we drop the pressure out of what we're doing and really start to look at things in a different direction with a really explorative mindset, we can just play and tweak and, and um, you know, gently find the things that work for us in our life. Yeah, I mean, I can sort of see how, how that would work, I guess. But how, how would you encourage people to be open to that idea? Because I would imagine that there's a lot of people that might resist that idea. They might resist the idea of, of trying new things. You know, the, the old sort of fear of failure might come up for a lot of people. How, how do you encourage people to be more open to that? Start small. When when you use when, whenever you use the word change or you want to do things differently, we automatically go into overwhelm because it's such a big thing. And we have been taught through our conditioning to fear failure and to fear things not happening and to fear change so excessively that we actually fear change more than we fear death now. And it's not until we get close to death through a traumatic event or somebody dies around us that's really special and it's really brought close to us that we start to see that actually death is, you know, so much more significant than change. Um, and we can actually, um, you know, take those steps to the change. But my experience has taught me that I have nothing now that wasn't readily available to me before my breakdown. Uh, everything I have now was easily available, easily accessible, um, you know, from a, 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 it's there in my life, but also, you know, wasn't expensive, any of those sorts of things. There were literally no barriers to what I have except for my fear of change. Um, so it, um, it's about really just picking one little thing. So it's about changing your habit, changing your thought process. Pick a little thing and then find three little things that you can do to, to get that one thing. And just start with the first first little thing. Um, and when we break things down, it doesn't seem like it's such a significant step. And when it's not a significant step, we can actually make really significant change in our lives because we're not stressed about it. We're not worried about, you know, oh, my God, what's this, What's what's going to happen? What's going to happen in my life if, if I, you know, implement this change? Um, and because it's such a small step, we're so much less likely to um, face resistance from around us um, or and to give up, you know, because it is such a small thing that we can just, you know, take tiny little steps. And when you start small, it's so much easier to get your confidence in what you're doing um, and to be really, you know, mindful and conscious along the way. <clears throat> is there ever an element of, like, maybe it's, it's also too small to motivate you as well? Does, does that play a part? Like, there needs to be a certain, a certain level of action to make you feel like it's inspired or that it's actually motivating you to do it. But then, as you said, you know, you don't want it to be too big because you won't take the action either. So is there an element of, like, the ideas of taking the bigger action might actually mean that you're more likely to do it because you feel like it's more motivating? Um, I think that um, the best thing to do to actually completely nullify whether it's too big, too small, too overwhelming, any of those sorts of things, is to create what I call an indestructible why. So um, when you are really connected to why you're doing something, and it is so aligned with who you are and where you're going and what you want to achieve, that is the thing that you can always come back to. So 
Um, if you if you say you know um, I'm doing this because I want to always learn and grow and develop, that's your why, and and that's really important to me because um, you know I know that um, my intellectual stimulation needs to be challenged constantly. As an example, um, then it's a matter of okay for me to do that, I need to change some habits, and the first step to change my habits is this small thing. Um, and then when you sort of think, oh, wow, this isn't all that big, it's like, yes, but I'm doing this because I'm changing a habit and the first step of changing a habit is this and I want to change the habit because here's my why over here. And if you keep coming back to the why, it doesn't matter how big or small, it doesn't matter if the step's sideways, backwards, up or down, you're just taking a step because you want to get to your indestructible why. Um, and um, then you can say, you know, I'm going to see how this goes. This step was easy. Great. I'm going to take a bigger step next time. That's going to look like this. All of those sorts of things. So um, it's about really breaking it down and really understanding, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? All right. So it's like there's this element of like you can always build on it as well. So it's not just about Correct. taking the small actions. You can always build up and add things to it as you go. Correct. So you can actually put your, you know, your goal there, but if you just leave it as that goal, often we go into overwhelm and it all becomes too hard and I don't know how I'm going to do this and all of these things. But when you say, there's my goal, here's my three steps, I'm just going to concentrate on the first one right now. Then you've got, you know, and, and you, you get this one in place, that becomes a habit, you build to the next step. So you, you're still working towards that big goal, but you're doing it in piecemeal things that are really manageable. Right, cool. So, what what's the what, what what's the next step to, to making things a bit more simple for us, Dad? So, if, if we were going to try to to make things even more simple, what's the next step for us? Uh, I think the next step really is about the self compassion piece, um, because what I see a lot, and I certainly know that from you know the work I did on myself and understanding myself, that that mean girl within and I know everybody has them, um, can be so devastating on your life. Um, and, you know, I, I saw a quote the other day that was something along the lines of, if you spoke to, uh, if your best friends spoke to you the way you speak to yourself, how long would you keep them as your friends? Um, and I thought that's that's so amazing, like because that is so much aligned with how a lot of us speak to ourselves. Um, and it's certainly, you know, particularly through my recovery, I um, lost a lot of uh, dexterity. So I, I, you know, I couldn't hold on to things. And I'd pick up glass and it, I'd drop it, and it would smash on the floor. And you know, it would be such an inexpensive thing, but it was like the whole world had come down on my head and. I was useless and I was an idiot and I was all these things. That was the conversation in my head. And I had to really learn to give myself that self-compassion of, no, no, it's okay. This is just where you're at right now. This is not a big deal. It's just a glass. It's easy to clean up. There's no damage done. No one's hurt. All the things that you would say to somebody else if they were there, I had to learn to really say that to myself. Um, and that was really important because one of the really big learnings that I had out of the whole process was um, understanding uh, who I am and how I re-energize my energy tanks. 
Um, and I realised that I had been, of all the activities that I had done for my entire life up to that point, had all been really draining activities for me. So I literally went into every day just draining more and more and more from the energy tax and never really doing anything that refueled them. Um, you know, I, I existed for, you know, over 12 years on two hours a night's sleep. So I wasn't getting sleep, let alone adding, you know, the activities into my life that refueled. So that self-compassion for me became a really big thing in terms of creating non-negotiable activities in my day that are activities that are really um, aligned with what I need to get energy back into my body and my system so that I'm constantly fueled. So it doesn't matter what time I get an interview request from around the world, if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 8 o'clock at night, it doesn't matter. I'm fully fueled, fully energised because I've got my day structured to make sure I've got those things. Um, and that's complete self-compassion. Uh, and I, I, you know, guard those times in my diary fiercely because I know that they set me up for all those other things. And that's a big thing that people that I work with struggle with because they feel like if they take that time for themselves, people will feel like they're slacking off um, and that they're, you know, they're not, they're not giving everything and all those sorts of things. But if you don't look after yourself and you don't take those simple steps to just do those little things that you need, then you've got, you'll end up with nothing left to give to anybody else. Right, so that, that's almost like where you, you fill your cup first before you're then able to go and fill others. Is that, is that the sort of lines that we're, we're talking about? Yeah, totally. Um, and understanding, you know, a lot of it comes down to understanding where you sit on the introvert-extrovert spectrum. Um, and a lot of people think that if you're an introvert, it means you're really shy. And if you're an extrovert, it means that you're really outgoing. Um, but actually, the introvert-extrovert spectrum just literally tells you what you need to refuel and the types of activities you need to refuel. So an extrovert needs noise and people and activity and all of that sort of stuff because they will just feed off that energy. An introvert needs that solo, inward-looking alone time where there's nobody else around there's no noise there's no interaction no nothing except for them really going inwardly and refueling um and then in the middle of the spectrum are the ambiverts and the ambiverts can actually go either way but they have a natural tendency towards one side or the other so i'm an ambivert with introvert tendencies i can go out i can be in the noise i can go and talk to, you know, a room full of 2,000 people. I can interact with them afterwards, but then I'll hit a wall and I'll need to go and actually just do those solo activities that, that allow me to just go in inwardly and refuel. An ambivert with extrovert tendencies would be okay doing the solo activities, but they would need to go and refuel in the noise with the activity, all that sort of stuff. So if you don't understand where you sit and you're doing the wrong activities to try and refuel, then you're just literally draining more energy from your tanks. Right, I, I quite like that um, analogy as well because um, for for me personally, I'm probably more on the introvert side. So I do like the, the speaking, I do like the the podcasts and things, but I do find that I tend to refuel faster when 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 no one else is around, when I am yeah. by myself. Maybe just just where I just sit and read sometimes, or yeah. just sit and listen to music. Maybe that that tends to be something else that I quite like to do as well. But it's having yeah. that it's having that balance, isn't it? It is totally. But it's also when you understand what you need, 
you also will you know find time to make sure that you have that um, because once you actually connect with what you need for more energy and to refuel um, it starts to become really you, you understand the importance of it in your day um, so you know five days a week I have time in my diary schedule that is my time to refuel because I give so much um, energy with the work that I do um, and you know as I said that could be at any time of the day um, because I'm working on a global scale and you know there's such a, diff a time difference between Australia and the UK and Australia and the US and all of that sort of stuff so you know I, a couple of weeks ago I had an interview literally at 3 a.m. Um, my time so you know I had to be up on switched on ready to go talking what it, what talking about what I'm doing answering questions answering live calls in through a radio station but I could do that because I'm constantly re-energizing um, and you know I could um, make sure that my day was structured so that I had the energy refill to be able to do that um, and when you understand that you can actually see the difference it makes in your life Okay, so we we sort of talking about a lot to do with the way we sort of we fuel ourselves quite a bit, and um, it's probably worth trying to talk about how how those things link together and how how having the idea of being able to refuel yourself does benefit you in terms of the simplicity aspect because there seems to be a bit of a disconnect. But you know, would you be able to to fill the gap in for us? Um, I guess the connection between refueling and simplicity is, um, I guess, really understanding the significance of the refueling in your life and then being able to find a really simple path to actually make sure you've got those things. So for me, it was um, literally just creating um, a, an appointment in my diary that said, this is what you're doing right now. Um, so I treated myself as I would any other uh, appointment that I had with an external, uh, you know, source to my business. Um, and this is the time that I meet uh, to actually, you know, undertake my activities. So um, I start my day with meditation and then from meditation I go to answering emails and um, interacting in, you know, social media stuff that's come through overnight um, and then I go into some form of movement. So um, whether that's yoga, walking at the beach, walking in nature, going for a bike ride, you know, any of those sorts of things, those are the three things that I do first thing in the morning. And the meditation and that movement are the things that re-energise me. Um, and apart from the yoga, I tend to do those, those things on my own. Um, and even the yoga, because um, it is... Uh, even though you're in a group, you're actually, it's not loud and noisy and, you know, massive, um, you know, adrenaline-fueled uh, activity. That is really um, uh, almost solitude time for me anyway. Um, so those things as you know, really important for me to, to really feed that introvert side. So, but the simplicity of it is that I just have those things that I do. There's a, um, a habit. I, I have it in a pattern. So I do certain things on certain days. Um, and uh, that is really just formed as a platform that sets me up for what I want to do and how I want to do it. Um, now, there's a bit of trial and error for me to get to the point where I've got, you know, my structure and my pattern, but that was really about just the self-compassion and finding, you know, the toe in the water and what worked for me and what didn't, in what order, 
those sorts of things. So I just played around with that a little bit. Um, and I just had no pressure around it. So it was, this will either work for me or it won't, and it's okay either way. So um, I guess that's what I mean by the simplicity around that, is just dropping the pressure and the expectations out of it, and you just play and explore until you find the pattern that works for you. You mentioned a lot regarding patterns and the, the way that you actually create habits is where, where a lot of the simplicity comes from. Is there anything that you can tell us regarding creating patterns or trying to build those habits? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, it's, for me, it's not so much, uh, for me, it's more about identifying patterns um, and creating habits. So to me, they're two different things. Patterns, I find, are things in my life where, um, you know, there's, there's the same situation keeps coming up, but with different people involved or in different circumstances. And I start to have a look at, oh, wow, when this sort of thing happens, I always react like this. I wonder where that comes from. So that's like a great question um, that you can put in, in those situations is, I wonder where that comes from. Um, and that just allows you to really look at um, what's happening and your response and all those sorts of things without um, having any sort of criticism or judgment around it. Um, and it also then allows you to say, do I want to keep doing this or would I like to do this in a different way? And if you'd like to do it in a different way, it becomes okay. So how could I, how could I look at this so that I, or think about this so that I can actually do this differently next time? Um, and again, that's really just about creating that space for yourself so that when you react to something, you're reacting consciously and not on autopilot. And the more, it's a bit, it's a bit of practice. It's a bit of trial and error to get you to get yourself to the point where you can, you know, really easily see the patterns in your life. Um, but you wouldn't expect to go and play a round of golf with Tiger Woods with the amount of training that he does if you've never played golf before and be competitive. So just like everything in life, you, you know, you, you have to practice it a bit to, to get good at it um, and for it to be natural and easy. So that's when I talk about patterns. It's more about identifying the things that just keep coming up and the way that you react to them. And then forming habits is about, okay, if I'd like to do this differently, how could I do that? What would be my first step? What would that look like? What sort of support do I need for that? Is it as simple as just putting something in my diary um, like before when I said check in so that a couple of times a day you're actually just stopping to have a look at where you're at and what you're doing? It seems like there's, um, <clears throat> there's almost like a level of awareness that you'd need before you can start to notice those patterns. Because I'd imagine that there's a lot of people that might just sort of roll through their day and not really have that level of awareness to see those patterns. But then, as you said, there are people out there that would actually have that level of awareness. Does, does awareness play a part or, or not? Yeah, it totally does. But that's something that builds. So, um, you know, if you start at, this, at the beginning, which is where you start to just ask yourself those couple of little questions, you naturally build that awareness as you start to give yourself your own answers because you are creating that conscious loop in your life um, and you are creating a, um, a space where you can actually consciously um, make decisions around what you're doing and why you want to do them. And as you, as you practice that, you start to open up and get a lot more clarity around what you're doing and why you're doing it. 
Um, and so that awareness actually builds as you just put in place the practice at the beginning. And, you know, it, take, it does take time um, to get to a point where you can just naturally go, wow, actually, I haven't seen this before. I wonder where that's come from. Do I want to do this? Um, and that's something that's really natural to me now. But, it, you know, it's taken, you know, a good couple of years for me to get to that point. So, um, you know, start at the beginning, just start asking those little questions and just see what opens up for you and how, you know, how you actually look at things um, and think about things because when you change the things you think about and the way that you look at them, actually what happens in your life will change without you really having to do anything about it. Is there an element of, like, you might not actually have the time to go through this process. This is coming from the, the angle of the way someone could be living already might be a case of like, we are more reactive maybe, like we are just acting as, as things come about, but then to suddenly turn around to them and say, right, well, you need to actually take more time and ask yourself a few more questions and try to find out where all the patterns are coming from so that you can change it. There are, there are some people that could have this reaction of, well, that takes too long and I, I, need, I need to do things a little bit faster than what that allows me to do. What would you say to that? Um, I would say that um, they have gone straight to overwhelm. So they have gone, oh, my gosh, this is what I want, overwhelm, how do I do this, I can't do this, I'm so lost. And you can see just in the way that I'm talking that the stress and the anxiety that just builds with that. So that's why it's so important to just start at that first step and just go, here's my end goal. That's great. That's what I'm working towards. But to do that, I'm just going to do this one little thing and actually just work out how I, how I react to that um, and how that feels for me. And then once I've got that down, I just go to the next step. Because I think the important thing to remember is when you consider the impact of social media and how that um, forces us to have so much of our life visible, uh, and uh, nobody puts anything except for their A-game into social media. So you see the person with the new job, the fantastic holiday, the new car, the, you know, the fabulous relationship, the I've just got engaged, I've just got married, I've just had children, I've had all these things. And then you compare that to your everyday life and you start going, how come my life is so crap? What is wrong with me? Why has everybody else got these amazing lives and I'm just such a failure? Um, and so, you know, straight away you are um, looking into um, the abyss of I have to do everything and I've got to do it quickly because I'm so far behind. Um, and the reality is you're not behind at all. It's just that you're comparing your real life with someone else's virtual reality. And they're never going to match up because they're, they're, it's like, you know, apples and oranges. So um, it's so important that you start at the beginning and you just start in a small step and you completely get rid of the expectations around anything just you know an eye on this is where I want to go this is what I want to do and my first step is this um, and get rid of this big small backwards forwards up down sideways it doesn't matter what direction the steps in just take a step um, and when you keep it small it doesn't impact your life because you know, we're so stuck in this, I'm so busy, I'm, you know, I have no time, I need three of me to get everything done, um, all of this sort of stuff. Or, you know, the other one I hear a lot is I need an extra day in the week. 
um, because that totally would solve all of our problems. Um, you know, so you just, <laughs> yeah. you just find more things to do, wouldn't you? You know, so, um, you know, so it's just so important that um, you understand that, um, you know, the way that we're living our lives is not working for us. Um, and so if you want to do things differently, do them differently. Um, and differently is not necessarily harder. Differently doesn't have to be harder. Um, you know, my life is so much more simple than it ever was before. Um, and yet, you know, I am so much healthier, so much happier, so much more energised. And I've now got a global business where I'm interviewed constantly all over the world. Uh, and yet I do about a third of the things that I used to do before. Um, and on a much smaller scale in a much easier way. So it's about really just... Um, uh, cutting down that conditioning that we have, that life has to be difficult, that for us to get anywhere, we have to go through this massive hard slog for it to be worthwhile. Because um, you know, my experience is that that is absolutely not true. And in fact, it's the biggest furphy we've ever been fed in our lives. Hmm. <clears throat> have you got any examples of this? So like you, you mentioned that you're doing a third of the the amount of things that you're still able to to keep, you know, to keep moving forwards, maybe the maybe the actual success or the results that you're getting might actually be higher than what what they used to be, even though you're having this commitment to being more more simple and more straightforward and and more refined and, and all that kind of thing that you mentioned before. Have we got, have we got any examples of how that's how that's played out? Sure. So um, in my I like to say my old life, in inverted commas, um, I used to go to bed at night, um, I, my head would hit the pillow and I would have trouble getting to sleep because the second my head hit the pillow, um, my mind would start racing with all the things that had happened during the day and all the things that had happened, you know, might happen the next day, um, how that might play out, how I might deal with them, who might say what, how I might respond to that, um, you know, the argument between this person and that person, how am I going to get them to just come out of their corners and come to the middle and sort it out, um, all of those sorts of things. And when I would eventually fall, fall asleep, um, it was like I'd shut my eyes and the alarm would go off and I would be like, I cannot believe it's time to get up, it just can't be right. And I might have had two hours of really interrupted, disturbed sleep. Um, and I would drag myself out of bed into the shower, get in the car, go to the office. Then I would spend all day fixing everyone else's problems, come home, make dinner. Then I would be back on my laptop and I'd be working again because I'd be getting all of my work done that didn't get done during the day because I was sorting everybody else out. And then that pattern would just, you know, repeat. Except for occasionally I would get in there and go and do a personal training session or um, a high-impact um class of some sort. So I was basically just fueled constantly with adrenaline and cortisol. Um, and um, so my health declined significantly to the point where I just broke. I could not get back up again. So post that, um, uh, you know, that recovery, um, I now um, know what my activities are for refueling. So I'm constantly giving myself energy instead of training. Um, I have learnt a lot about um, food and how it nourishes the body because I've had to because even though I'm a number of years down the track from my breakdown, my body is still overloaded with adrenaline and cortisol because there's so much stuff that we're not taught 
about what having adrenaline and cortisol flood, you know, flooding your body constantly does to your organs and um, to your body's ability to just function. Uh, so they're things that I'm still balancing, even though I'm four years down the track. Um, so I've had, I've learned a lot about, you know, food and the role that that plays and, and, you know, what I can and can't eat at the moment and digestive issues and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so they're, you know, amazing ways that I can do things really differently now and in a really simple way that, you know, supports me moving forwards. Um, when I go to bed now, I go to bed, my head hits the pillow, I'm out, I'm asleep and I naturally wake up, um, eight hours later, um, and in perfect time for my meditation. Um, you know, for my emails, um, I understand the natural flow of my energy through the day now. So instead of being told exactly when, you know, I'm going to do a meeting or be there or do this or fix that, now I know that um, my natural high energy times in the day, my most creative period is 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So if that's when I'm in, in front of my computer doing all my creative uh, work, um, getting all my downloads for my writing, um, you know, really um, writing my articles, creating videos, all of that sort of stuff is the really creative side of my work. So I'm, I'm doing that in my most creative time. And then in other times of the day, I know that I'm refueling. I know that I'm actually doing more um, administrative slash design side of my work um, or in meetings and um, interviews and those sorts of things so that I'm constantly working um uh, with my energy flow so that I'm putting, I know when my really high energy times are, that's when I'm going to do my really high energy creative things. And when my energy is a bit lower, I can build that up with activities or with food that supports that and with more gentle um, activities. So, you know, they're really simple things to understand, but make such a massive difference in the way that you do things. Um, I'm lucky if I work six hours a day now, where before I was working 10 to 12 and getting no sleep. Um, you know, so massive changes in what I do and how I do them. Um, and I'm not overloading my body from a physical point of view as well as a mental point of view anymore either. I mean, it seems to me at least that there's, there's a lot of benefits when it comes to the trying to live this way. So if I had to find yourself being a bit more bit more like you're trying to focus in on the more quality tasks and the, the, the higher priorities as well I mean because you've essentially halved your amount of time that you're working to find yourself prioritizing certain things and working in a certain way uh, look I totally prioritize what I do because um, I know myself so much better now um, I, you know, I know who I am, I know what my values are and everything I do is aligned with those values now. Yeah. Um, so that makes it really easy for me to pick and choose what I do and don't want to do because I know straight away whether it aligns with who I am. Um, so that's the first thing that's made things really simple for me. Um, and the second thing that's made things more simple for me is that I've just got so much more energy now. Um, you know, I'm not stressed and I'm not exhausted anymore. And when you take those things out of the equation, you know, your day is so much, so much easier. Um, and with, when you combine that with the clarity, you've got the energy to do whatever you want, but you're also so much more clear on what you do and don't want to do. Yeah, for sure. I, I would definitely sort of notice that, I guess, if, if someone's going down this um 
this road are trying to be a bit more simplistic in the way that they live, then I guess there's always got to be an element of prioritising certain things and, and scheduling certain things. I quite like the... Um, the reminders that you put on your phone as well, like you put reminders on your phone to remind you of, of doing certain things and when to stop doing certain things. And just to, to, find, to find yourself having almost too much structure in, in the time that you have to, to do certain things because you've only got so many hours to do it. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way for me at all. And um, with me now, you know, I have three times a day, so 7 a.m., 1 p.m. and 7 p.m. I have a reminder that comes up on my phone that says I am perfectly in balance and I am enough, you know, because they're the things that I really struggled with, um, you know, and got me to um, the point of having a breakdown. So that's the reminder that I have three times a day. And when that comes up on my phone, I just go, it just gives me a smile every single time. So yes, that's so true. Um, and then outside that, you know, I just know now when um, I put things in my diary, if I have an article I have to write or, um, you know, I'm writing, you know, chapters for my next book or, you know, the programs that I'm creating, any of those things, I just naturally know that they fit between 10 and 2. So I just don't make any other appointment times in those times. Um, and then I have, you know, a couple of days where I'm a little bit more flexible. So towards the end of the week, Thursday, Friday are times when if somebody wants to catch up with me and it's, you know, maybe a little bit business focused but mainly personal focused, then those are the days, Thursday and Friday, when I'll allow myself to just say, yeah, sure, let's catch up for lunch or any of those sorts of things. So the flexibility comes in there. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't do those things because otherwise you'd just be constantly out and about and just socialising and no work would get done. So, you know, it's so, it is really flexible, but when you understand where your energy flows and where I get my most creative work done, I'm going to make best use of that time because, um, you know, I want the quality of what I put out into the world to be top notch because I want everybody to know that, you know, living life in a different way is so easy and the work that I produce needs to actually back it up and show people how easy that is. So for that to be top quality, it needs to be done in that period of time. Um, and, you know, that's a really simple way for me to, um, you know, really support myself through that process as well while still getting that stuff out into the world that makes it really easy for people to change tack and do things a little bit differently if they want to. Yeah. I love I, I love the way you you're able to prioritize using like how much energy you have as well because um, it's almost like like one or two hours of really high energy work would probably do a lot more than you know six hours worth of I'm really tired and I don't really feel like doing it type work so it's exactly. amazing what you it's amazing what you can get done when you put in the in the right place so um we are getting quite close to the end I, I get a funny feeling that we could talk forever about, <laughs> about about this sorts of things but aside from keep it super simple tips from a recovering perfectionist which is your book have you got any other books that you'd recommend for us to, to help us with this um i would say the code of the extraordinary mind which is um vision Lakhani. um that's great because Again, it, um, it really teaches you to learn from yourself. Um, and that's something that I, you know, I tell everyone that I meet. Find the people that teach you to learn from yourself um, because that's the only way you'll get your own answers. Um, you know, and it's like keep it super simple. Every chapter has questions at the end that, that allow you to ask questions of yourself. 
rather than saying, here you go, this is what you have to do, follow this. Um, and the code of the extraordinary mind is very much like that. Um, what else? Oh, there's so many books. I love um, Richard Branson's Screw the Rules. Um, oh, okay. Screw, screw business as usual. Um, and he taught, you know, in that he talks about, you know, um, really just, uh, again, what if they're wrong? Questioning the way that big business does things, questioning the way that we've been taught to just go along as sheep. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a great book as well. And that just talks about how, you know, he just says, um, you know, say yes and work it out later. If there's something that you just love the sound of, just say yes and then work out how you get there later. Um, and I guess that's, you know, yeah, aligned with what I talk about in terms of there's your goal, here's your little steps to get there. Just say, yes, that's what I want and then find out how you get to it. Sounds good. All right, so before I ask my last question, if someone wants to find out a bit more about you, where, where can they go to find out more? Uh, okay, so uh, the website, my website has um, some free resources um, and uh, you can also sign up for a, a, a seven steps to living differently. So that's a free email series um, that just gives you access to a few little articles and videos um, and again, teaches you to just start asking some of those questions. Um, and when I say free, I mean free. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay anything. You don't have to buy something else to then get this free. It's totally free um, because I just want people to be able to access this stuff really easily. Um, so you just go to, the, go to the website, which is www.sheeplife.com um, and you can sign up for that. Uh, there's also some free resources there, so you can work out um, uh, what your values are. Um, those sorts of things are on there as well. Um, and you can also buy a copy of Keep It Super Simple through that process. Um, and also just jump into Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn and find me there and um, just follow what I'm up to. And um, uh, I post all the articles uh, and the, the interviews like this that I have, you know, globally. Um, so you can see what's going on through those processes. Uh, and then you just float through um, what, the, you know, what aligns with you and what doesn't and, and uh, hopefully can just take little steps to do things a bit differently. Sounds good to me. Okay, last question. I ask everyone this, and this is where we can we can blow things out the water now. So these these doesn't have to be serious. This can be funny, silly, you name it. Yeah. And the question is, what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Whoa. Okay. Um, I'm a total rock tick. Uh, even though I'm an introvert. Like an ambivert with introvert tendencies, I'm a total rock chick. Um, I'm completely eclectic. Like I, I love all sorts of different things um, and experience things in different ways. So I'm, you know, just as happy at a rock concert as I am seeing the Western Australian Symphony Orchestra. Um, and uh, total cat lover. I'm absolutely in the cat camp. <laughs> All right, sounds good to me. Well, thanks for being a guest on the show, Bronwyn. I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to chat to you.